Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Grindhouse, where we drink coffee and talk about movies. I'm Leah Diana, and today with my boyfriend and co-host, Sean Tatro, we will be winding back the reel to 1998. A newly graduating class consisting of beautiful girls, geeks, and promising footballers assemble at a rich classmate's party in Can't Hardly Wait. Yo, bro, let's get into it. First, it was also unbelievable. Mike Dexter wanted to date me. I know why I started dating him. I just don't know why I did it for so long. Well, he is the most dope guy in school. Yeah, and school's over. His party tonight? Amanda suddenly being single? It's fate. Fate has opened me a window. Yo, I got to have sex tonight. It took me all day, but I narrowed it down to a list of 10 very lucky finals. You know what I'm saying? Think there'll be any girls there? Are you kidding me? People may even be having sex tonight. Get out of my way! I can Kiss my ass! Have you seen Amanda Beckett? Yeah, imagine saw her now. I'm thinking about asking her out, boy. Oh. God, you're a hottie. I filled this with seven bottles of vodka last September. It's been in my freezer for. Alright, y'all, check it. Time to get busy. Who does he think he is? Brad Pitt? And you're like, Glennon. But with bigger boots. Totally bigger boots. I can't feel my legs. I can't feel my legs! Columbia Pictures presents an event 18 years in the making. When you find out who your friends really are. I don't. Think she's prettier than Gwyneth. Not even. What your future really holds. I am going to have sex with someone at this party. And how one night can change your life. I don't know about you, but I really believe that there's one person out there. And for me, it's gotta be Amanda. There's a mirror right there. Why don't you take a look, okay? You're white. How's it gonna be when you're so Guys like us, we are a dime a dozen. There is fate, but it only takes you so far because once you're there, it's up to you to make it happen. Amanda? Can't hardly wait. Wishing has a winning play. Huntington, Huntington, hey, hey, hey! Spread the word, you dirty cocksuckers. Tell all your grave robbing friends I want them out of the city now! The nightmare of insane murder. From the depths of hell. Watching this movie brings you back to a time a millennial in 2023 would rather forget. <laughs> oh, I graduated high school in 2003. Sean, when did you graduate high school? 2007. So you're on the ender cusp of kind of the millennials like this. I lived this. I started high school in 1999. Yeah, so this was just before your high school experience. Yes, but this literally was my high school experience. Let's see. 
Let's go back and talk about little Leah between 1999 and 2003. Um, she did not like the way she looked, so she wore oversized jeans and vests and sweaters to cover her stomach because she was chubby, thinking if nobody saw it, nobody would care. Now, I wear tight clothing because I don't give a shit. <laughs> Um, I wasn't very good in high school. I did had a hard time focusing. I believe I have a learning disability. My sister has a very severe learning disability. And I believe I had it too. But back in the late 90s, early 2000s, nobody cared. <laughs> like, let's be honest. Nobody gave a shit about us. Um, but yeah, I would go to parties like this. There would be drama like this. You know, what cheerleader is dating what jock? What um, band player is dating what, you know, popular girl? Uh, in my high school, if you were a band player or a jazz ensemblist, you were the shit. If you were in theater and drama, you were the shit. We had cliques, but I went to a school where there was like about 300 graduating people. And I think my graduating class was even less than that that actually walked. So, what was your experience from like 2003 to 2007? So high school was very it had changed significantly yeah it had it, which is surprising it's only like and the worst thing is what changed it was columbine and a lot of the threats that happened to schools yeah i guess but so for me clicks had dwindled to i think maybe about three different sects there was yeah. the anime kids the outsiders and everyone else and where were you? I was definitely somewhere in the outsider category. Or bro, just popping a beer. I mean, this is the perfect movie to do that with. <laughs> Our sparkling water because we're old and we can't handle that stuff. <laughs> but yeah, like high school, it was very, I don't know. It was, it was kind of, it was much more tame than you see in the movies for me. Yeah. Like you had everybody... Everybody kind of just... I wouldn't say everybody accepted everybody else. There was still bullying. There was still people who were pompous and thought they were better than you just because they liked different things. But everybody but, coexisted a lot better than what these movies kind of perceived. To some degree. Yeah. Like, I, I think... Like, because from my experience, first and foremost, like, I knew people who were f fans of anime. I knew people who were musicians. I knew filmmakers i myself am one mm. so i knew people who were writers like there was there was all these different types of individuals who all could kind of like find common ground yeah um obviously there were like the more popular people the more popular kids who like would never understand somebody like me but were they social? Were they like, oh, hey, how are you? Or were they very standoffish? Oh, no, they were very standoffish okay. still. Like, they were, they, we would never interact. Especially, like, I kind of went out of my way to make myself unapproachable because mm. I didn't want to deal with all the bullshit that came with high school life. And, like, I think we've talked about it before. I wore a fucking trench coat in high school, so people would leave me the fuck alone. You and your friend EJ are the reason why props were no longer used at your school for photos. That's true. Because, <laughs> I'm sorry, which one of you had the Bluster, so uh, the Buster Sword from Final Fantasy? <laughs> yes, uh, we, me and a couple of my friends we it all it was you EJ Gary Gary we all had different weapons in our high school senior pictures 
And after that, they banned them from being allowed. Because my friends and my friends that I know through my cousin. Yes, I'm, I'm co- friends with my cousin's friends. I don't want to talk about it. It's a whole thing. But I have a group of friends that I hang out with that graduated a couple years after you. And they're like, yeah, we were banned from props. I'm like, I know why. <laughs> uh, then then meeting you, they were like, I don't understand why. What? what? I just find it funny that that's the mark you I left a, on that you, school. You have a reputation. You were the scary trench coat kid. Ah. But <laughs> what makes me Justice. laugh? Justice. What makes me laugh about this film, Can't Hardly Wait, is there is no breakdown for this film. It is what you think it is. Here is the breakdown I'm going to talk to you about. So this film is several high school students, several cliques, graduate. There's a party afterwards. Insanity sues. One of the characters had a connection with another one in the beginning. He spends the whole party trying to get her attention, only to be shot down. She figures out who it is because he left a letter for her, and fate would have it, they get together at the end. That is the gist. That is the story. There's a lot more that happens, and we'll go over it. But this movie doesn't need a play-by-play. I want to go over this movie and talk about our experience versus this experience. I don't know. I think we kind of... We're still going to do a little bit because there are... There's Denise and Kenny. I think we should do a, a story by story. Yes. We're going to... The stories are really because, quick and fast, so... So, with this movie, first of all, first and foremost, I just have to say, oh, the 90s cheese. Oh, my God. <laughs> Velveeta doesn't even cut this. No. Um, but this movie... It's. Vi- I have to say that I very much enjoyed this movie this time around. I appreciate it differently two I decades later. I have not seen this since it came out. Yeah. And watching it now, I actually really like it. Like, I honestly think this might be one of the better comedies I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, high school comedies. High school yeah, comedies. Of the, ni- of the 90s and that, the early 2000s. Yes, that's yeah. an important distinction. But this movie, I love the way that it's presented. So you're essentially, you're weaving together the stories of several different characters and their viewpoints throughout this one night at a house party following graduation. Yep. And you end up, you as you kind of make your way through this, this party, you end up following the stories of several different characters from several different cliques mm. and learning a little bit about them and how... Even over this one night, how their viewpoints change. How their lives about almost change, too. Yeah. yeah. It's a very, very interesting comedy. Like, it's almost, it almost surpasses comedy, yeah. I think, to some degree. It goes to extreme irony for people that were in high school between, I would say, the kind of like, the years or would, the years would be 97 to about, I would say, 2005. This is how it feels. Like, you're on the very end cusp of this, because I would say when my brother and sister graduated high school, it was 2011, 2013. Um, And they're they're 10 years um, difference between us. They, I think my sister has seen this movie and said it was stupid because she's a younger millennial. She's the other end of the spectrum. Like, I was born in 85. You were born in 89. The people in this movie were born in 81. I can relate more to them than you can. But you were just on the cusp of that where some of this makes sense. Correct. Um, before we get too into this movie. All right. So before we dive too far into the movie, Leah, I have to ask, what exactly are you drinking over there? Oh, no. You caught me. I'm drinking citrus cherry bubbly water. Why? Where's your tea? 
sadly, I got too into this movie to make my tea. <sighs> I guess I'm going to have to go over how I make my tea, huh? <laughs> All right. So I'm going to take you guys with me to the kitchen. Come with me. All right. So David's tea is an amazing product. I talked about it a couple weeks ago at length where I got this custom not custom, I got this best of 2022 box. And I love this box. We have drank four or five of them out of there. So it is so easy to do this. You don't need a tea bag. You don't need crazy tea steepers. We have a kettle, which just boils the water for us. Or you could use hot water from the stove or for God's sakes, we're American. Just put it in the microwave. The cup is going to be hot. Just be careful. They sell either tea bags in triangular form or they sell these little tea bags that you can pre-make from the loose leaf tea. Um, it's incredible. They have all sorts of matcha products too as well and all the equipment you need to make matcha drinks. I know right now they haven't really gotten into their subscription yet, but I signed up for their subscription and it is remarkable. Right now they're... Starting this subscription where, say you have a favorite tea, mine is Forever Nuts right now. If you want, you can have that tea sent to you monthly. Just, you know, okay, here's the here's the thing, here's the price, and it gets sent to you monthly. You don't have to worry about it. That way you always have your favorite tea on hand. Did you tell them about the different flavors? Oh my God, the flavors are ridiculous. So here are some of the teas that they have right now. Gin and tonic tea. That's the flavor. Cupid's breakfast tea. Chocolate Earl Grey. La Viva Cocoa tea. They also have a Cupid's sampler. 12 loose teas. You can try all of their love-related themed teas. And there's a lot of chocolate too as well. Don't forget the basics. Oh, the basics. They have a fall one, a winter one. They even have just the best teas that they sell in these 12 packs. And honestly... It's $29 for 12 teas in this sampler that you can get one to two uses out of. That's possibly 24 cups of tea. And if you're a crazy person like me, I reuse tea bags twice in a day. So I can get two, three, four cups out of a tea bag. Honestly, you cannot go wrong with this company. They also sell tons of mugs, tons of equipment that can use. I also purchased a couple years ago these beautiful glass insulated wall teacups. It's stars and moons. And they sell stuff like this seasonally. I bought those for, I think, a winter special. Right now, they have ombre rose glasses and bubble tea set right now. Same thing with a teapot. It's beautiful. They have spoons. They also have pre-made matcha. They have spoons. They also sell tins that you can keep your loose leaf tea instead of keeping it in the bag so they stay fresher longer. When I tell you, I don't get tea anywhere else. It's only at David's Tea now. And it's ridiculous how much David's Tea I have. I have iced teas. I have loose leaf teas. I have bag teas. I have more pumpkin than I can deal with. I also have agave syrup. They have their own sweeteners as well that are less sugary than a lot of the other syrups you get. So honestly, try it. Even if you're like, I don't know what to do, get a 12 tea sampler. It is the best thing we've ever done. I mean, some of the flavors, I don't know how I feel about it, but I'm still going to try it. I tried the Forever Nuts in one of my other ones, and I end up loving it. Now I have a lot of nuts in my kitchen. I mean, tea bags. I mean, Forever Nut tea bags. Please, follow the, the link in the description below. 
go get some David's tea. It is incredible. And if you hate it, go on the Discord and yell at me. That's in the room. That's in the show notes below too. You won't hate it. It's actually really good. <laughs> it is very good. But enough about tea. Let's get into the tea of this movie. All right, Sean. <laughs> Hit us with the facts about this movie. All right, so today we watched Can't Hardly Wait, the 1998 American teen romantic comedy. This one was written and directed by both Deborah Kaplan and Harry Elfont. It stars Ethan Embry, Charlie Cosmo, I think you, how you say his name. Uh, I've never been sure. <laughs> um, Lauren Ambrose, Peter Fincinelli, Seth Green, and the always lovely Jennifer Love Hewitt. This movie was made, well, it was originally released June 12th, 1998, and it was made on a budget of somewhere between 10 and $13 million, mm. and it ended up bringing in a box office of $25.6 This did really well. It did very well. It more than doubled its budget, mm. which is honestly more than you can ask for. Yeah. And did you know that this was Charlie Cos- Cosmo's first and last on-screen appearance since Hook in 1991? Because oh, shit. at the time of being offered the role in Can't Hardly Wait, he was attending MIT. He looks like a smart kid. He definitely does. And I had honestly always wondered why I hadn't seen him in more. Yeah, because he has such a uh, recognizable face. And recognizable style, in my opinion. Yeah. And I always wondered, whatever happened to that? Whatever happened to Will? This Will's his character. He was attending MIT, becoming the next world leader. <laughs> Bill Gates, move over. <clears throat> Anyways. So today, for Back of the Box, I'm going to read the whole thing start to finish. In the history of parting... Oh, partington. God. <laughs> in the history of partying, Huntington Hills High School is about to become... Legendary, And it's funny that legendary is the line here because this is Jason Siegel's acting debut. Yes, it Mr. is. Mr. Marshall. He, um, he shows up in the most minor guy. of roles. <laughs> he's just watermelon guy. I love it. Bonus includes Smash Mouth's music video for I Can't Get Enough of You, Baby. I have so many movies like this that have music videos because this was the MTV generation. It was a very 90s thing to Super 90s. release a movie with a music video for whatever music you featured in the film. I think my center stage, uh, my movie about center stage, that it's a ballet movie. We're not doing it on this podcast. Or if I really want to torture Sean and we'll do it. Um, that one has like a uh, Michael Jackson music video because there's a lot of Michael Jackson music in that one. Well, I think uh, there's a lot of stuff like even uh, I think maybe Queen of the Damned does that. Because Queen, because Dracula 2000. I read something on Reddit a while ago that says, "Does everyone agree that a lot of these late '90s, early 2000s movies push towards teen young adults?" have shitty movies, but the soundtracks are fucking phenomenal. Yes. Because we were the MTV generation. We were the generation where MTV was playing music videos, but they were also just started Real World, just started Role Rules. They started having more of these things centered around getting that next generation into it. I hate to say it, I started watching MTV when I was like 13, and I didn't stop watching it until probably like my mid-20s. And I was like, okay, MTV is getting really shitty, really boring. I don't like it. I've turned on MTV now, and I hate it. 
um, I know that right now the newest season of RuPaul's Drag Race is on MTV and I'm like, oh, maybe I should watch MTV again. I, I don't know if I want to because it just scares me. MTV is music television. There's no music on MTV anymore. There's no music on VH1 anymore. Like, I miss the days where you had the wake up call, which started at 6 a.m. and ended at 9. And I would put my TV on, get ready for school and just let the music videos play. I remember learning about Coldplay that way, learning about Vanessa Carlton, uh, Linkin Park, um, Incubus had already been big, but like that's when their first big mainstream um, Make Yourself album came out and they went huge. I remember all of this very vividly. So when this movie like came across, I rented it from my Blockbuster. I had to watch it, and I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. I want my high school experience to be like this. So I know it was not like this. <laughs> high school it never was, is. High school wasn't... My high school experience might have been crazier than this, only because I had a lot of stuff outside of high school life just be absolute fucking turmoil. So for me, this was the high school I wanted, but it's not what I got, but I wouldn't want this because it's a little... It's a little too fake. I think the comment fake I put on my notes at least five or six times. I was like, fake. Well, it is like, like any comedy, any, especially 90s comedy, mm. it's very in your face with everything. It's, it's very um, by the book, plain Jane, mm. like nothing is going to be realistic. Yeah. It's always going to be heightened. It's always, because the 90s, everything was very elevated. Look at I mean, from my experience, the horror genre in the 90s as compared to now or even the 80s. Yeah. Like the 80s, things were, they were heightened, but not to the level. Like you're trying to match culture. And from my experience, at least the 90s, everything was like music was much more like intense and elevated and fucking movies were tried to follow that same trend. So like things were a bit wackier. Things were a bit. Like styles were More a bit crazier. A little bit. Yeah. I I was not into film in high school. I was more into music. So like I love nineties the aughts, which is two thousands. I don't know a lot of people who call it the aughts, but it's two thousands is the aughts. And the two thousand tens. Huge into music. I started kind of getting off the music train, unfortunately, when I got into Korean music. So, like, my English music or my popular music here in America kind of fell off. And I've started listening to it. I don't understand the music now. I don't. Uh, I was talking to my brother about mumble rapping. Have you heard of mumble rapping? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's a reaction right there. There's a big mumble rapping movement. But there's also, like... Did you know Eminem's getting big again? Well, I don't think he ever completely fell off. No, but, but like, compare 8 Mile when we were kids to now. Like... He's a very different rapper. Oh, you yeah. You had said, we actually sat here with my baby sister one day, and she was playing us music she loves. And it was very different. It was The weekend. It was Childish Gambino. It was Eminem. And she's like, oh, my God, if you were heard Eminem, I'm like, Eminem was huge when yes. I was younger. Like, when you, <laughs> when I was 17, Eminem just started. Oh, my God, what? I'm like, I watched the Real Slim Shady music video premiere. It was huge. I watched yeah. the making of it. And she was like, oh, music video. What do you mean music video? Yeah, music videos aren't really They're a thing anymore. They're not huge anymore. anymore. Um, Which I think is a crying shame, personally. Honestly, it's a tragedy because I remember... Do you remember 
here in New England, we have a communications place called Cox Communications, and they always had the music choice stations. Yeah. How often would you put on the music choice stations or the music choice station video? Um, not that often. It was more like it would end up being something that would get thrown on if we were like waiting for the bus or uh, just kind of trying to kill some time, like, or there was nothing else to watch. I don't think we used it that often. Oh, God. It was on all the time. It bopped between 80s, 90s music, and hits. My house was more of a rerun house. You, Your house seems like it was 80s hair metal band. Uh, Almost like the the, the, at a time. the rock music of... At a time, because like my mom grew up watching... Uh, my mom grew up listening to stuff like Poison and yeah. Def Leppard. Your mom's young. Yeah. Or younger than, like say, my mom. I think they're like... Maybe eight, eight or ten years difference yeah, between our like parents. Um, but in my house, like rather than like listening to music or uh, throwing on mu- like a music VH1 or something like that, we actually would. We were more of like, oh, throw on like reruns, whatever's rerunning of like Home Improvement or Roseanne okay. or something like that, like yeah. that type of stuff when. My sister was younger. There would be cartoons, things yeah. like that. But yeah, like it was always that way. It was never really a oh, we're just gonna listen to music kind of house. My house is it was like the parents would do the rerun stuff. If my siblings were home, it was Cartoon Network was always on. Yeah, I love old cartoon shows, but like my idea of an old cartoon show is like. You know, Courage the Cowardly Dog or Billy and Mandy or Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Those were always fucking on. See, all but Courage in that situation were beyond my time. Yeah, because they're, even though, like, we're pretty in sync now, we're four years apart. Yeah. And for, like, a high school kind of situation, that is vastly different. Because when I went into high school in 1999, you were possibly still in elementary school. In 99? Yeah. Uh, that would have been... I went into high school in 2003. I graduated so. in 2003. So when you were just starting high school, I was just leaving. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we've, we've, had, we've got a gap there. But now, like, we're in our 30s. The gap is fucking closed. There's no gap anymore. Who gives a fuck? All it just means <laughs> is I'm dying sooner than you. You think that? Mm, I be, I'll beat you. <laughs> so what I'd like to do is... Go through each character or the bigger characters. So I'd like to focus on the people that are on the front cover. Well, yeah. So this movie, like we said, it's broken up into different stories. Yeah. So you're going to follow. Essentially, you have the point of view of Seth Green's character. Yeah. Kenny. You have the point of view of Denise. Denise, who is like the kind of outsider girl but she's um our main character's best friend yep uh we have the point of view of the jock uh mike mike uh will the valedictorian's point of view yes and then we have amanda beckett which is jennifer love hewitt's point of view and of course our protagonist um why can't i think of his name right now ethan embry oh uh Holy crap. Hang on. No, they use their real names. No. Hang on. Pause. Preston. Preston. Oh, my God. It's a weird name. That's why I couldn't remember it. I'd like to start with the one, the, the, 
I'd like to start with Will and Mike. Will and Mike. All right. So the story, the background story goes that Will has, Mike has picked on Will all of his fucking life. We are introduced to Will, who says that he's getting his revenge on Mike for the first time. And he goes over what Mike has done. Science project about the rainforest. He threw out a window. Uh, beamed him with a raisin in the eye. So he had to wear an eye patch. And then the last one is the pudding incident on his pants. Yes. So actually, this actually brings up something I, I just made a quick note of. You yep. learn about all of that during, like, it's still part of the opening credits, yeah. essentially. So, like, this movie opens with, like, a very, like, quick-cutting music video almost style uh, opening credit sequence mm-hmm. where... We're, it's taking us through graduation. We're getting snippets of like people gossiping yep. about things that are going on. And we're introduced to Will as he starts to talk about the all the stuff that Mike Dexter, our big villain of the movie, yep. did to him throughout high school. And this movie, it uses a lot of really good match cutting, especially in this opening that I really, really liked, and I wish people still did shit like this. Match cutting. Now, for people that don't know what it is, what is match cutting? So a match cut is when you have an action taking place, and then you cut to something very similar happening in a different way. So, like, the example that I wrote down is when is we have, we're with Mike Dexter and his friends, and they're all talking about breaking up with their girlfriends because he just broke up with his, and they should all go to college single. Yeah, we gotta go get the bitches! And they all jump in his big red pickup truck and drive off. And as they drive off, the the movie cuts to a shot of Will flicking a red matchbox truck off of his desk. So it's just this perfect edit that's just like, oh, transition to a new character. That is kind of cool. Yeah. I love well-timed match cuts like that, and movies don't use them enough, in my opinion. Maybe when you make your feature, you should use match cuts. Yeah, maybe. Um, so Will's talking about the plan, and you kind of don't get a gist of what the plan really is. You just know there is a plan in place to embarrass or get Mike back or get revenge. Yeah, we don't learn what that is until like the no, very end. No, until it actually like comes to fruition and you see yeah. everything happen. Um, so I'm going to go really quick through these because there's a lot of story and it's not just this character, this character. They're all connected. They're all So we're just going to go by pair by pair. Yeah, I think point. that's a good way to do it. We'll leave like the bigger ones for the end, but this is a yeah, smaller one. Yeah, I think one. we should end with Preston, Preston and, and, Amanda. and Amanda. Yes. So... Here we go. After Will talks about revenge, we meet pretty much um, kind of meet Mike prior to that scene. We find out that he broke up with Amanda because he wants to get with the women at college. Tries to convince all his buddies. We got to break up with our girlfriends, too. We see how much of a jerk he is. Cut to Will talking about his plan. We leave there. Will and his friends, his two really nerdy friends, show up at the party. He puts his nerdy friends on top of the pool house to, you know, wait here until I bring Mike back. And then the plan will start. Thus ensues Will going in, being like, I'm going to blend in with everybody. And he actually has fun. He starts drinking beers. He makes friends. He makes friends with the stoner kids. He talks about uh, the salt on the pretzel compared to stars and how stars are just salt for when God eats us. I love that. That's like a, such a horrific way of thinking. But it's the oh way God. being somebody who now, unfortunately, has to get stoned for pain relief. Um, I know 
now because you've seen me get really bad. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Sean, this ride's not fun. I want off this ride. But I understood at that moment. I was like, damn, I had the same thought because I have a lot of twinkle lights in the house. And I was looking at the little twinkle lights and I was like, what happens if one day we find out the twinkle lights or Christmas lights are actually absorbing our energy and kill, slowly killing us off? That's why the older we get, the more the more we hate Christmas. <laughs> this is a stoner thought. So I understood that that one thing that Will said. As the party goes on, Will gets more drunk. There is a whole music scene where he sings Paradise City um, by Guns N' Roses. And he becomes a rock star. Girls want to get with him. Dudes want to be him. They all want to be friends. And by the end of this, Mike is humiliated by Amanda because he realizes some stuff. We'll get to Mike and Amanda. But... Will and him start to bond. They get drunk. They're like, hey, man, I'm really sorry how I treated you. It's all right. You know, we're graduated. Everything's changed. And it comes to a close. And it seems like their relationship is okay. Yeah. Uh, Mike even takes the fall for Will getting arrested. Yeah. So what happens is Mike's like, all right, I'm still going to go through with the plan. But, you know, I, no, I'm going to go with, through with the plan. And then they bond. And then. The police break up the party and Mike runs away, goes, oh, let's go hide behind the pool house. We can do that. Will's like, no, not the pool house. Don't go there. Will's too trashed. And so is Mike to even realize what's happening. His Will's friends jump off the roof, chloroform them, which that's not how chloroform works. (laughs) Um, And then start to put all these weird objects and make Mike and Will in a very questionable sexual position. Take a shit ton of Polaroids and leave everything there. His friends are like, oh no, it's Will, but the police have shown up, so they're like, we gotta get out of here, we gotta run. So there's Mike and Will in compromising positions with a shit ton of Polaroids. Cops arrest them, take them in, because they're underage, they're intoxicated. The next morning, Mike takes the whole fall, says, I forced him to get drunk, I'm the one that dissed this to him, he didn't do anything wrong. Because Mike does have a bit of heart. Like, he's like, I'm not gonna ruin this kid's reputation. Yeah. Well, that, and I think, at that moment, he feels more like a loser than he ever has. Well, as Amanda really put him in his fucking place, and I can't wait to get to that one. Yeah. Well, then you you also had that interaction with the other guy, the former Oh, yeah, jock. Trip. Yeah. Mr. Jerry O'Connell. Oh, boy. <laughs> I didn't realize Jerry O'Connell was actually older. Like, I looked it up. He's, like, four years older than everybody in this movie, and I was like, oh, shit, that's right. Jerry O'Connor was, like... He's not an 80s baby. He's a 70s baby. But I've always grouped him in with all of those kids. Um, But Will goes home. Mike leaves everything. Or Mike leaves the police uh, station. Cut to the diner where everybody goes the morning after. After the party, everybody wants greasy food. They're drunk, whatever. Um, Will comes in, sees Mike. Goes, Mike, I wanted to thank you for last night. Thanks for everything for covering. He goes to sit down. And Mike treats him like shit like he always has. Pretty much like, oh, loser, get out of here, geek. What are you doing, bitch? And you can see in Mike's face that he is regretting the decisions that he's making right there. But he can't, doesn't want his friends to see that he bonded with him. So cut to Will leaving the thing, the diner. And it says at the bottom that Will graduated Harvard. He now owns his own computer company and he dates supermodels. So his life got better. And I love their story because... I kind of had a similar thing with somebody who bullied me years ago, which, so (laughs) a friend of mine, um, I hated in high school. You know the person. 
We're actually mm. seeing them in a couple of weeks, or yes. maybe next weekend. Um, he and I hated each other in high school. I hated him. He was a jock baseball player. I'm not naming names. Um, and there was this thing uh, in English class where I showed up. He was in English class with me. And I turned around to like to like put my stuff down and sit down. And he looks at me and goes, you're laughing. Because I, I laughed. He goes, you're laughing. I know why you're laughing. Because I'm banging your best friend. And I looked at him point blank and I said, who? So-and-so's name? Who is my male friend? Everybody laughed. And that was one of the better interactions between us. But we hated each other. He was in theater and drama with me. Everything. Cut to, he did eventually seriously date my friend. They were married. Um, and he's gone through a lot of stuff with his family. Not really bad stuff, but he lost his mom. And it was one of those moments during that where I was like, it doesn't matter where we were. You're family now. Like this, I want to help you guys out. I want to do anything you can. Cut to now. Uh, they don't have children. They have puppies. I babysit their puppies whenever I can. I love these two to death. I would do anything for them. But it's weird that he and I hated each other 21 years ago or over 21 years ago. Now, I could not imagine my life with him without him in it because he's such a great person. But it's a similar thing where it's like the people who you didn't get along with in high school, the people you hate, you don't know who they are. Well, and you're actually you're feeding into a theme that I actually didn't think we were going to talk about until t- closer to the end. Okay. But there's a very big theme throughout this movie about the people who change and the people who don't. Yeah. Or like the people who you know were going to grow up to be somebody great and the people who are never going to change and who are going to be stuck are going to plateau in high school and never change and it's it's a very prominent thing that like they hammer in at the at the end of this movie oh, they with all these hard. title cards for each person and you can kind of you get a sense of like who these people yeah cuz Mike's will be. Mike's end card was Mike went to college got too drunk, lost his scholarship, ended up at a 40-hour car wash, got fired from there because lewd photo Polaroids showed up. Yeah. And it was one of those things where, so in real life, this doesn't really happen. Like, yes, some people peak in high school, but it is their choice whether or not they continue on that path or they get better. I would say 90% of the people that I knew or I, like, continue to, like, know through Facebook and stuff, their lives have gotten better. See, I have somewhat of the opposite. Yeah, you do. A you. lot of a lot of the people that were the shit in high school or were like very popular, very well liked people, just, their lives have halted, and they like can't find direction now. And it sucks to see it because it's like, dude, what happened to you? You know, life happens. Life happens. Life happens. All the, like, I personally. I am not where I want to be in life, and I think that I don't. I wouldn't say that I peaked or anything, but no, that leads me to an important question, Sean. In two thousand and seven, when you graduated, versus now, what would that Sean say? Like, would he be like, "Oh, you're doing well," or "Oh God, we're not doing well"? What would that Sean say to you? That Sean was more cynical than the one you have now, which really? is saying something. Really, more cynical? Yeah, which is no, saying something. I don't believe something. it. I don't. So, uh, that one might be okay with where I am now, but still 
wishing that there was more. So basically, you've you've stayed the same. I think yeah, I think I've I've been on this a similar wavelength. I, I think I'm better than I was back then. Back then, I had a lot less confidence in my ability than I do now, mm-hmm. and like I think I've pushed myself to be much more um, determined to get what I want than. Like back then, I probably would have just rolled over yeah. and accepted defeat. Now I'm just like, no, uh, I'm gonna keep going. And not to toot your horn, but people that don't know you, this man is a f- a fucking badass with some of this stuff. He's faced quite a few very challenging people in career wise that I believe younger you would have been like, fuck it, just walk away, wouldn't deal with it. You've head on stubbornly been like, no, I'm going to still keep doing this. Fuck you. That's okay, because now I get to watch them crash and burn. Burn! <laughs> and it's all made of paper, so it'll burn real fast. Um, anyways. Um, Shots fired. I don't, I think um, my life has gone down, but here's why. Um, when I graduated high school, I was planning to go to college um, I plan. I started CCRI with the plan of continuing my education. I had to drop out because of financial reasons and my parents divorced and I never went back. I went right into working. I had a strict nine to five job. I was doing well. Housing market crashed. I lost my job. I was unemployed for a year. I sucked it up, went into another job that I hated, was there for 12 to 15 years, and I let that job get to me completely. It was not until... I left that job and I made the choice to move to North Carolina that my life has gotten better. But Leah in 2003 would be like, your life has gotten worse. Why did you let it get worse? But here's the other end of that. The other side of that coin. I'm not, I'm not counting the health problems in this though. The other side of that coin. So yes, you've had to deal with a lot of health issues since then. And a lot of, a lot of roadblocks, as I would like to call them. But Look at yourself right now as opposed to where you were then. Oh, yeah. You are in a healthy relationship. With a cynical asshole. With a cynical asshole. <laughs> you are You are in a job that you, I wouldn't I, say love, but you enjoy. I enjoy my job. When I wake up in the morning, I don't dread going to my job. I'm like, okay, I got stuff to do. Let's get there. You have very achievable goals of, like changing your life in terms of like things we want for the future one of my biggest goals this year biggest goal is our i have five be able to walk without limping you have answers as to why you feel the way you do yes i've i've still don't have all of the answers but the the answers outweigh the questions now which gives me confidence and you have a course you have a dream that you are trying to achieve and you can achieve like walking without limping is number one uh number two is learning how to spend less money and i'm not saying that's going to be something that changes over time picking up my goddamn cameras again i have not when was the last time i picked up my camera i think a year ago yeah i think it's been a year that's due to the fact that for six months I was homebound. I couldn't really do much. Um, go see a therapist 
and work on a lot of my internal issues, which I commented to Sean last night. I feel like now that I've got clearer answers, now that things seem a little better, my depression is lightening. It's not gone. It's lightening. I feel like I'm laughing more and I'm having a better time. And I think that's due to the fact that I feel like a human again going to work and coming home. (laughs) Now to get my fat ass off the ottoman and do something when I come home. Um, My last goal is to finish working on the photos that I already have on my computer. Sadly, my computer I worked on them died. Uh, The computer fix that we had no longer is a fix. Uh, we got to kind of not get rid of it, but it's it's going to cost too much to, to kind of do it. So now I have to get a new laptop or figure out how to work the programs with this with my iMac. I don't like the iMac. I don't like using it. I need a PC. <laughs> I'm clawing at the... Sean is just like, I'm so disappointed, but um, I have serious goals. Why I think 2003 Leah would be disappointed because 2003 Leah wanted to go to college for teaching English to high school students. She wanted to do a lot more with reading and writing and English literature. And she was very focused on this stuff. But, you know, life happened. And then all of a sudden in 2008, 2009, I hurt myself really badly. And since then, my health has declined. Um, I gained, I'm going to be honest, I was almost 500 pounds back in 2010. You know, you don't think about that, what the repercussions of that. Now I'm, I'm reaping, I'm reaping, I'm dealing with the repercussions of being that big. Um, I've got answers to all my health questions, but even 2003, Leah wouldn't understand that. Like, oh, we were healthy. What happened? Why did you get sick? What did you do? I didn't do anything. You snot nosed little bastard, you know, fucking genetics caught up with me. Calm down. But it's one of those things that you have to look at, like the person you were in high school, you're not going to be in five, 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, I'm going on 20 years since high school. You're going on 15 years since high school. You're not that same kid. Even by looking at photos of you from high school, I, I can't imagine you being that person at all. Sean had no facial hair, long blonde, ha- blonde hair, like down to like a little below his shoulders. You have long hair now, but that's because we just haven't gotten you a haircut in a little bit. Sorry, yeah, buddy. <laughs> it is what it is at that point. But like, and the attitude that you had back then is very different from what you have now. I wish I could have met you in high school. You no, would have, you would have fucking, you would have fucking hated me because I was bubbly. I was happy. I always wanted to be friends with people. I wouldn't show people I was upset. I masked everything. I was very much everything. a miserable bastard. I was miserable on the inside, but I refused to let people see it. So. All right, let's go to, unfortunately, Will's story's over. We don't go back to Will at this point. Let's do, should we do Mike and Amanda? Or should we do Denise and Kenny? Let's do Denise and Kenny first. Denise and Kenny. So Denise starts off her story as she's just Preston's best friend. She is cynical. She is an outsider and she hates everyone. So you are Denise. Yay. (laughs) Uh, I will be uh, Preston. I definitely was the Preston character in high school, hoping for that. Oh, God. I know. This is why I think you would have shot me in high school. And, you know, yeah, get out. that's another pairing. That It's funny that we'll get more into it when we get to Preston. Yeah. But, like, the fact that him and Denise are best friends, it's very interesting. It's not, it's not very surprising to me. My best friend, well, one of my best friends in high school, um, 
he was like more popular. He was a uh, very cool guy. You know, he was always very well dressed, very well educated. He was a really nice guy. Came from a really like, really like well-to-do family. It was really cool. Um, he ended up being the gay guy by the time we were out of high school. And I was embarrassingly in love with him. But apparently I fall in love with gay guys. I'm not even kidding. Sean's the first dude that I fell in love with that doesn't have any issues that I know of. Nope, definitely not in the closet. Nope, no. <laughs> but like, <laughs> it, it doesn't surprise me that pairing. Because you have to think of the people that you have strange connections with. Yeah. I mean, you... They, they kind of say you, you can't pick your friends. No. You, you just kind of become friends with people. I My favorite story of that is me and Jess. Jess is... Jess I met because she was dating my friend Matt. I needed a place to stay after I moved home from North Carolina. I Matt was like, oh, my, you can stay at my girlfriend. She has an empty room. She didn't charge me anything. I helped a little bit, but she didn't ask for money. You know, she just asked if I cook, clean up after myself, you know, do this, that. Perfect. Fine. No problem. Stayed with her for like maybe five months till I moved across the street with my two friends, Liz and Erica. And uh, she chose me. It was a whole thing. I'm not going to embarrass her on this podcast. But it was a moment of we went from roommates to, oh, God, I'll never get rid of her. And I'm so happy. And I can't imagine my life without her. She's the reason, probably one of the reasons why you and I are sitting here today. Well, it's kind of like it's kind of similar to uh, how I became friends with Andy and Andrew. Yeah. Like they're they were friends. Like I became friends with like. Uh, we've talked about like Zeus, EJ, Gary, yep. like that group first. Andrew was friends with them already, and then like through Andrew, I met Andy, and it wasn't until well into high school that like I think Andrew and I just kind of meshed well, yeah, and that friendship happened, and now they're my two best friends in the whole world, and. I don't talk to anybody else from high school anymore. And really. now Andrew's mother is asking for photos of us to put on the family wall. Yeah. That's, that's how much a family you are to Andrew and his parents. It, it's funny. And subsequently, when, you know, I got you a job at my old job and it came with, oh, my friend Christine needs a job. My friend Andy needs a job. I dragged them with me and Christine has chosen me and never let go. <laughs> and that was definitely one of those like, why do, why do I have all these people where it's like, oh, you seem nice. And then they latch on and I can't let go of them. <laughs> you, you just have that personality. Friends are like barnacles. They'll never leave you. So Kenny and Denise. Denise. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Not nephew. Denise. Denise. Um, so we learned she's cynical. She doesn't want to go to the party. Preston drags her to the party. Um, we are introduced, um, not simultaneously, but like a little afterwards to Kenny, the white kid that thinks he is a rapper. And dude, Kenny's introduction into this movie. I'm going to spoil it right now. Oh God, I have it. This is in one, in one of my favorites. Cause it, it's the first line he says, the <laughs> moment the he greatest. goes on screen. And it just though it's his delivery of it that's just so funny. You are guts to have sex tonight. <laughs> it's and it's like Seth Green fucking from hell. Ticks. What is this? Oh my god. It's so funny. Oh my god, it is the best. Because that it like and he goes, Yo, I've guts to have sex tonight, like with that accent, and you're like, Literally, Oh my god. Every line out of his mouth is the cringiest fucking thing in the All world. All of them. Even when he drops the accent at one point. 
all of them are cringy. Everyone. He steals the show for he me in really this movie. Does. Seth Green takes the focus off of all of them and puts it on him. Yeah. The only reason why I'm like, oh, Amanda and Preston. I forget Preston's name all the time. I only know Amanda because she's got some good, like, fuck you moments. But Seth Green, holy shit. Let me derail for a second, though, because that that's a good point. Look at the cover of that movie. Yes. I think that tells you everything you need to know about our protagonist. He's barely there. He's barely on this cover. He's literally, it's half of his face. Yep. The rest of it is cut off because it's not really it's about not Preston. Really, yeah, no, it's about all of their journey. It's about everyone. It's about this night. Yep. It's about the turning point for everybody after high school. Like, that's, I, I don't know. I just think that cover so perfectly illustrates these characters. Yeah. Like, I believe it's it's no coincidence that Mike Dexter is front and center of this. No. Because he's the one that gets... Fucked the most out of this story. Yeah. Amanda is there, but she basically causes a lot of collateral damage. It's funny you say that because at least one of those characters literally gets fucked. <laughs> I mean, two of them. All right, two. I'll give you two I'll of them. I'll give you two of them, technically. right? <laughs> but even she is like at the bottom yeah. over here, and he's not all the way in the shot. But a lot of this story has to do with their pairing. Yeah. But. The, the This cover proves that this is not just about him or her or her. This is about all of these guys. Because their their pairing, Kenny and uh, Denise, mm-hmm. is the moral crux of yep. the story. It is. Their their story is the one that tells you what the, the whole point of this is. Like, mm-hmm. that people change. That life... People change, but life goes on. Yeah. And it's a very... Their story actually is very, very interesting, their, in my opinion. Their, the moral, I think, of their story, which I think people should follow, whether you're a teen, a young adult, or an adult like us, do not wait. If you have a problem, if you have something you need to say, why are you why are you being angsty and not saying it? Say it. Talk. Their whole thing would have been fine if she said something to him Six years. He says it. Why did you wait six years yeah. to say this? Well, all right. So their story essentially, Denise doesn't want to end up at this party. No, she doesn't because she thinks it's like stupid. Preston kind of drags her along. Um, Kenny and his friends are going there to try and get laid. Literally the whole night they're macking on some honeys, yo. They're literally trying to get with anybody. A- anyone. Anything with a pulse. And Kenny ends up, he goes... He has a chance to hook up with a girl who just got dumped. Yep. And so he goes up to the, the second, bathroom, second floor bathroom. Which you have to know, the, the girl who runs the party is like, the bathroom door is broken. Do not shut it. Leave yeah. it cracked or else you get stuck. So he goes in there and he's like kind of preparing. When we tell you he has a backpack full of uh, amazing superstore essentials. Oh my God. Y'all don't know what an amazing superstore. I don't know if that's kind of a New England thing. It is a sex shop. Yeah. Dildos, condoms, candles, lube, feathers, you know, all the boring vanilla shit. Right. He has a backpack full of this. And I I would say that Kenny's character and Will's character have a lot in fucking common. At least Kenny was being true to himself where 
I'm sorry, Will was being true to himself and true to who he is. Kenny was trying to be somebody he's not. Somebody he's not, but they were both very, like, underestimated what they were getting into. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it turns out that while he's up there getting ready for this, you know, Denise... Throughout the whole party is sitting places, standing places. Like, people are like, I told you she went to our high school. Or, you know, somebody throws a pot brownie at her and she gets covered in brownie. Or, you know, people are just kind of, like, ignoring her because she caused this situation by outcasting herself. Yes. So now she's at this party where she's social without Preston because he leaves to go do something. And she's alone. Like, she's always been. And now she's reaping the consequences of wanting to be alone. And they don't exactly explain why she goes up to the second floor bathroom. She just does. Because the line for the the bathroom downstairs was too long and she was covered in the brownie. So she wanted to clean it off. Okay. So So she goes up there. She goes up there, walks in on him. Practicing thrusting. Which is a whole weird situation. Which is like tiny little Seth Green going, eh, eh, eh. like, how cute. The door accidentally gets shut and and they get stuck. No one can hear them. They're banging. They're screaming. But there's a band. There's a stereo. There's music playing outside. There's people talking. Nobody can fucking hear you screaming in there. And they're stuck in this bathroom for the remainder of the movie, basically. I think I'm estimating they showed up at this party because it's summertime. Usually you graduate May, June. I'm estimating they showed up about 9 o'clock. And there, the cops show up, I want to say. It's like 2 a.m. It's it's like 4 a.m. Well, it, no, it's 2 a.m. when, when, when Will Pres- is in the jail cell. So. 2 a.m., okay. Well, because Preston said something, the Preston's angel, we'll get into that afterwards, says it's 2 a.m. there. So, oh, I don't, so maybe it was 4 then. I think it was about 4 a.m. Yeah, when the party gets right. broken up. So from 9 to 4, you're assuming that this party's happening. I want to say they get trapped about maybe 10, 11 o'clock. So mm. from 11 to 4 a.m., they're stuck in this bathroom together. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't hold that. No, you're fine. So between like 11 to 4, that's like four to five hours, they're stuck in this bathroom together. And then you find out through dialogue, Kenny and Denise used to be friends when they were in elementary school. They used to spend all the time together. They used to have sleepovers. They used to be best friends. Kenny wanted to be cool. She did not. He decided to hang out with the cool kids and become something he's not and left her behind. And from there on, he told people to write Denise is a tampon. I'm assuming it's because she has red hair, which I was yeah, like, I that think is that not, was the joke. But like, that is not a creative insult. I would have been like, I'd rather be a tampon than a douche. Because she's pale with red with hair. Red hair. I guess. I don't know. I would have killed to look like her. I love that red hair. It's so yeah. cool. But thus ensues the two of them bonding for a few hours. And then they're making fun of each other's shoes and clothes. So they start taking off their shoes. And I'm like, okay. And then Kenny leans over to kiss her. Kenny has this, like, what did I do? And Denise has this. Yeah, I think it was happening. His only completely vulnerable moment. Like, he just gave in to instinct. No, no, there was two. No, I mean, in terms of like, he gave into instinct and rather than thinking about what he was doing. Yeah, he just did it. And it kind of took them both by surprise. But it took them by surprise in a good way. Yes. So thus thus ensues probably the most awkward teenage sex. Yeah. (laughs) It's not the most awkward. I've seen more awkward. I think uh, I think one of the sex scenes in American Pie is more awkward than that. And it's not between Jim and Michelle. Let me tell you what. It's probably Jim and Nadia. Oh, God. They I don't can't. ever 
Jim and Nadia? Jim and Nadia never hook up. No, no, no. I'm not talking about hooking up. I'm talking about the pre-stuff. Like how they're kissing and rolling around. Oh, the, well, like all that yeah. shit. Well, we'll talk about Jim and not Broadcast I, live on the internet. Oh, my God. I cannot <laughs> wait to get to... We're doing American Pie. <gasps> Is American Pie in the wheelhouse? Hang on. I want to say yes. But... What year did American Pie come out? What year did American Pie the movie come out? I forget this music. So here's a song. July 9th, 1999. We are covering uh, American Pie someday, but uh, not this year. Um, And then we get to, like, more of the party ensues. We cut back, and they're both lying naked on the floor, covered in a towel. And they have this look about them that is... Unsatisfactory. Horrible. Like, she is just like, what just happened? And he's like, oh, God, I fucked up. Thus ensues, like, her being like, don't worry, it gets... She's trying to comfort him, like, don't worry, it will get better over time. And he's like, no, some other honey would love my shit. And she's like, you're never going to change, he I'm done. immediately reverts right to back. his, like, protective shell. And she's like, you know what, I'm done. She walks out. The person at the person whose house it is, she, this poor girl goes from very kept, very nice, very happy to fucking deranged, hairs everywhere. Her dress is a mess. It's covered in this, spots. This is why you never throw don't a high school party. Ever. Especially <laughs> if you're rich, don't ever throw a party. You let the poor people run it because if they trash that house, it's fine. Yeah. I used to have parties all the time, not in high school, but after high school. And I would always tell my friends, if you trash it, you're cleaning it up because I'm not dealing with my mom. And my mom would not hesitate to scream and yell at people. Like, go on, you yell at them. I'm not. <laughs> so it, it it's 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 very awkward that scene because it's like, you guys just bonded. Why are you doing this? It's that teenage like angst, like, nobody understands me. That's stupid shit. It's like, stop. I think Denise is the most developed person. Like she knows who she is. But she didn't trust the people around her to get to know her enough besides Preston. So she just seg- she just segregated everybody. Right. So now ensues Denise is walking home. Kenny follows after her and his huge ass. Did you notice that Seth Green's driving like an Equinox? Yeah, he's driving a big ass big SUV. Big ass SUV. And it's Be- tiny little Seth Green because in the front. that was a 90s thing. Like uh, the if Suburbans, you were, the Equinox, the Cadillacs. If you were in that like kind of hip hoppy. You drove the big Aesthetic. cars. Yeah. Yeah. You drove those big ass Stupid. fucking SUVs. Stupid. Stupid. How much gas are you wasted on that goddamn oh, God. thing? I don't want to talk about gas prices for probably a dollar back then a gallon. Well. But, you know, I filled my tank once, 98 cents a gallon. <laughs> but uh, he he chases her down. Yep. After she leaves the party. And he stutters, he stumbles, and the only thing he can get out is, I'm sorry. I think that's a very genuine moment. It's a very vulnerable moment. Because, like, he can't. Put into words like why I did why this. Why he did like, what he I'm did. I'm sorry. And you can tell that they are. There is fate, and fate's a big theme in this, and I fucking hate fate. Yes. But they are fated to be together. They're just gonna have to work on who they are individually as opposed to together. Right. So that's gonna be a term- tumultuous relationship, but it'll be fine. Um, next morning after he says, I'm sorry, we cut to Denise saying goodbye to Preston because Preston's going off to a workshop. And she says, you know, call me when you get there. I'll miss you. Preston's like, Kenny? Kenny? And then he says one of my favorite lines from the two of them. He goes, 
looks at her dead in the eye and goes, can I come to your wedding? And she's like, shut up. <laughs> like, and it's one of those moments where I think he's genuinely like, yeah, you're going to, if this is how it happens, you're definitely going to end up with him. You're stuck with him. Like, are you prepared for this? She goes in after talking to him and the, the line, the card at the bottom says five minutes later, they broke up. And then 10 minutes later, they found a bathroom and got back together again. So you can see that it's going to be a tumultuous relationship. Yeah, they're going to have a rocky go, but I think it's going to be one of those relationships that you're like, how are you guys? How do you work? Yeah, like, how, did, how, did, how are you guys doing this? I think it's one of those relationships like our relationship in the beginning where our relationship was never rocky, but it was very slow to start. Yeah. Like we didn't really become very serious for like a year, over a year afterwards. And, you know, we were dating. It was fine in the beginning, you know. But there were parts, there were moments where I think both of us questioned, like, oh, do this, are we okay? Like, you were more early on, like, trying to find out if I wanted to get married or have kids and stuff. And mine was later on being like, oh, like, what do I really want out of life? You know, and it wasn't until an incident, I had surgery, and there was an incident after I had surgery that you were there for. And I always said you were my knight in a white shining crap car. Because it's a knight in white shining yeah. armor, not a white horse. But I said that and it was one of those moments where I was like, he genuinely cares about my well-being. This is weird. And then it really opened up a lot more conversation about the future. And now we have two children in the form of cats. Um, almost a thousand VHS tapes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, a life that if you leave me, I will find you and I will take you down. Good thing I have nowhere to go. (laughs) (laughs) But no, seriously, like I can see how a relationship like that, like Rocky in the beginning, but it can become very genuine. Yeah. So I'm very eager to see, like, I'm eager to speculate on what their future will be. And I say that because we'll get more into that at the end. We'll, we'll wait until we touch base on all of these. So, unfortunately, I want to talk about Preston and Denise for a little bit. Okay. This one's going to be very quick, very easy, very simple, but Kenny's pretty much done. So, let's touch, talk on, let's touch on Denise and Preston. Preston and Denise are best friends. They've been best friends through high school. Uh, we're introduced to the two of them talking after graduation uh, one of my favorite witty things that she says is one of the guys at the table accepting caps and gowns are like, do you want to keep your tassel for only five more more dollars and keep it with your tassel? And she says, yeah, I'm going to press it in my yearbook between my corsage and the pages. And a lot of people don't understand that comment now. I do. I still have my tassel pressed between the pages of my yearbook with one of the flower petals I got because I never had a real date to any of my dances. I went stag, except for my lab, my senior prom. You went to senior prom, right? Yeah. Uh, I went to senior prom with my friend Liz, who I'm still friends with. Um, I didn't care if I brought a girl. I just, her and I had a great time. There was no expectations, no nothing. Afterwards, we went to Six Flags and we walked around, we had a great time and then we went home. That was it. My senior prom was very go, go, go. Our theme was uh, Here's to the Night by Eve Six. That and Swing Swing by All American Rejects were the two rock song that played. I went to a high school where everything else was rap. There was literally, I don't remember any slow songs. All I remember were those two songs and rap. <laughs> hmm. uh, what was your senior prom like? Uh, it was cringeworthy. 
Did you take somebody? Yeah, I went with a friend of... So, I was still friends with, like, Gary at the time, and he was dating somebody from a different high school. Mm. I went with one of her friends, and it was just... It was an awkward night. I'm not good with... Especially then, I was not good with interacting with people. Mm. And I never dated anybody. So, fucking going to a dance with... Like, I knew this girl. Mm. Like, we'd been friends for a little while. And, I don't know, it just... It was kind of an awkward situation. Do you have photos from prom night? I don't know. Does your mother... parents do somewhere i'm contacting your mom i want to see this picture (laughs) i have pictures from prom night me and liz did one and then me and eric my friend did the other and i think the person i went with kind of reminds me if i had to like put a a a current name Mm. to it would be jess actually yeah Yeah, i could see that yeah okay like very similar type of person i guess jesse honestly to me seems like the type of girl you would date yeah i yeah. mean i guess like you and i like getting to know your personality i'm like how in the world did he ever like date me but then again i blatantly lied to you totally what are you talking about i wasn't a bro i was a blonde not a brunette who cares <laughs> <laughs> i always Fuck. joke about that women change their hair like you don't like blondes fucking <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like blondes, but yet I showed up to our first date with bleach blonde hair, and I was hoping he'd be like, motherfucker. Nah, this, this is what it is. This bitch. <laughs> Personality's more important. Yeah, and I mean, we, we fucking closed down that Olive Garden, my guy. <laughs> and then our first movie we ever watched together was Battle Royale. That should have told you everything you needed to know about our relationship right there. Yeah. Shitty food, really good movie, and it's fine. That's our whole <laughs> relationship. We haven't really been back to Olive Garden since, and it breaks my heart that our first date place, you're like, I never want to go back. And I'm like, oh, but the memories. Oh, God, no, it's fine. Memories. <laughs> we'll bring our own food. We'll just tell it to he- tell them no. to heat it up in their microwaves. Everything's microwave, then, so what's the point? They're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so we see that after graduation, they kind of are like, I'm not going to this party. You're coming, you're coming with me. I'm not going. Fuck, I'm going. They separate. Um, their relationship more is best friends. That's all it is. Their their on screen time is very minimal. They do mention at one point that they did date for like they a dated, few months or something. They like dated that. for a week in eighth grade. That's, That's what, what they said. But their banter kind of continues the story where she's like, "Oh my god, you brought the letter for Amanda. You've revised this a billion times. You wrote it in ninth grade. Are you sure you want to do this? Like you're going to get embarrassed." And she's not wrong. Like, but at the same time, he's like, if I don't take the chance, what will I ever know? Like, because Amanda just became single that same day. Yeah. His, yes, his, you know what, we'll get into his story when yeah. we get to him. But. but he and Denise are definitely like the narrators, if you will, carrying the reason for the story on. Right. Like, you can see that she starts off with, I don't want to do this. This is not what I want to do. I just want to be alone. And by the end of it, she's not alone. And she's questioning whether or not it was a good idea for her to be alone for the whole time. Where saying goodbye to Preston, I feel like, is saying goodbye to that person. Like, okay, Preston, see you later. Have a good time. You know, okay, he's moving on with his life. Maybe I should move on with mine. Yeah. That's what I feel like. Even though their interactions are... I want to say they're on screen time together is like less than 20 minutes. Yeah. For like an hour and a half movie. 
it's important to the story that they move it along at the, at the pace it has to be. So here we go. The bigger ones. We're going to go with Mike and Amanda. Mike Dexter and Amanda Beckett. Oh boy, strap in. We are introduced to Mike Be- uh, Mike Dexter for Mike Beckett. No. <laughs> We're introduced to Mike Dexter first. First thing we see, he's at the burger joint with all of his friends being like, I broke up with Amanda because I want real college women. Just right there, I knew back then that college was not high school. College was not a game. You were drilled in high school back in the late 90s, early 2000s. That college, I don't, I don't support this idea now. I really don't. Don't go to college unless you know what the fuck you want to do. Don't waste your time at college. But college is important if you want to get a career that you need a lot of education for. I am proof that you can succeed without going to college, but you're going to struggle. Just going to say that now. You're going to struggle. Um, back then, we were force-fed. You will never succeed unless you go to college. I mean, it was rammed down your fucking throat. Yeah. Uh, now, if you are under the age of 18 and you listen to us, one, why? Two, do not go to college unless you know what the fuck you want. I mean, even if you're like, well, I kind of want to be a doctor and do that. Fine. Get your gen eds out of the way. But do not go to college unless you know what you want to do. It can be expensive and just fucking stressful. And furthermore, from somebody who is in a specific field. Don't go to college unless you know it's worth it going to college for. You basically learned everything you needed to prior to college. And I went to college, learned nothing new, and it hasn't helped me. No. At all. It has not helped. Like, that's debt for no reason, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to go to college first for English language uh, and literature studies. Uh, The next round I wanted to go to was for... Um, Japanese language and culture. Um, I even batted around the idea of uh, Korean language and culture or just going for languages. Uh, It's very expensive and it's not a career that I can do here. I have to go to a major city or to a major college and become like a professor. My dream college was to go to photography college in New Hampshire or in Vermont. That college has since closed down. It no longer exists, unfortunately. It was White Pines University or White Pines College. But my end goal was to be a photographer. I did, however, dabble with being a chef for a little while. But unfortunately, with my illness, you need to be prepared to work 12 to 16 hours a day non-fucking-stop. I cannot do that. So if I would have become a chef, I would have wasted all that for no reason and had to find a new career by now. Which sucks because... You know, I love to fucking cook. You give me ingredients, you tell me to cook, I'll, I'll make anything for you. I don't have a big enough kitchen or fridge or wallet to be able to do what I used to do, but, you know. But Mike's whole thing was he was like, college is just going to be, you know, endless babes wanting to get laid. N- no. Even when he says that, that he's is that, not what college is. He's that stereotypical jock character from any teen comedy i don't want to say he's a jock a normal jock because the jock guys were like football football you know but they weren't like this the jocks i knew were not this this bad yeah they were jocks they could be douchebags but 
when it came down to it, they were still real people. They still no, had real we're, goals. We're talking about like this. This character a, here is how you were saying like it's extravagant in the '90s. This is an extravagant well, it's a example. Stereotypical movie jock. Yeah, like not realistic jock. Like, like you had is, the brec- uh, breakfast at Tiss- Tiffany's jock um, with um, Emilio Estevez. Breakfast Club. Breakfast. Yeah, Breakfast Club. You said Breakfast at Tiffany's. You know, That's Audrey, Audrey Hepburn could have been a uh, could have been a John. Very different. I, movie. I know. You have Breakfast, uh, the Breakfast Club, with you know Emilio Estevez's character, who is that stereotypical jock, but he's not this bad. Um, some other examples, uh, not another teen movie. Chris Evans, stereotypical '90s, 2000s jock. People, jocks aren't that bad. Maybe I had a different experience with the football, baseball players. They were still real people. They still had real problems. You know? Also, where did they get that much beer for this fucking party? They it's had a, keg after keg after movie. booze after beer. <laughs> and I was like, holy mother of God. There wasn't even that much booze in American Pie. No. They struggled to find the booze that they could for American Pie. That was more of a realistic high school experience, in my opinion. To some degree. To some degree. I mean... I still love Michelle's character more than you'll ever understand. I relate to that woman. <laughs> um, but we see him and his friends leaving because he's convinced them, break up with your girlfriend so we can all go to college single and spend the summer banging chicks. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. So they leave. Um, they don't come to the party till a little bit later. And their introduction in his is him walking into the walking into the party going, Huntington High School, kiss my ass. And I'm like... What kind of introduction is that to like into the party? Yeah. And he comes in and all the dudes see their girlfriends and all the girlfriends are like, oh my God, I missed you. And one of the comments I wrote down was, oh God, I haven't seen my boyfriend in six hours. And I'm like, oh dear Lord, I never dated in high school. Neither did you. No. So I can't put any words into this, but... Was it that bad? There's no way it was that bad. Like puppy was was high school puppy love that bad? No way it was that bad. Come on. It couldn't have been. I I need to know. People that dated in high school, please, please, I need I, put in the comments. Was the high school puppy love that disgusting? I love you. I love you. I need to see you. I have to be around you. We've been dating for almost five years. Uh, there are moments where I'm like, hey, you got something to do. Can you? But we also live in a studio apartment, so there's no hiding unless you're peeing or taking a shower. Mm. But, like, there are some moments where I'm like, yay, I appreciate you. I like you. Okay, you go over there. I'm going to go over there. Bye. <laughs> like, I don't need to be up your ass, even though I try. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, like, that's disgusting. Yeah. Ugh. Um. Afterwards, like, the whole through the whole party, Mike... Uh, confronts all the guys and is like did you do it yet no i i don't want to do it i I really like her pussy goes to the next two Uh, i don't want to do it can we do it after this concert because we've got tickets to pearl we got tickets to pearl jam that made me laugh (laughs) pearl jam we got tickets to pearl jam can we break up afterwards it's like he's like you're all pussies and he gets all pissy starts getting more and more drunk starts getting more and more belligerent towards some people um and He's out back drinking, and Trip McCann, McAllister, 
McNeil, the former, the former jock, jock of the high from school. the year prior, shows up, and he's got some beers, and he's walking around. He sits down next to him. He's like, "Damn, Trip, how how are you? You must be bagging all the women at college." He goes, "Nope, they they're actually smart girls. They're they're with older guys who have goals, jocks like us." And it's he says it, and it's definitely one of the best lines. Jocks like us are a dime a dozen. He's like, are you with, still with that Amanda chick? And Mike lies and goes, yeah, I'm still with her. He goes, best thing you ever do. Don't leave her. Stick around. You're going to need her. You're going to need he, her in the future. And I'm he, like, oh. He literally gets confronted with his, his future, future. With reality. Because even Trip looks exactly like Mike. Yeah. He's got the, the pledge shirt on. He's dressed almost the same way. He acts almost the same way. Side fun fact, the disgusting burp that Jerry O'Connell does in the movie is real. He had to do that. He drank, he chugged a whole like beer or soda or whatever they were using. And he did that on camera. Awesome. Oh my God. I want to hug him. I would be like, yes, you are disgusting. I love it. Um, But it, it just made me laugh because you saw his, his humanity, his panic. Like, oh my God, my, my life in college is not going to be the same. So he confronts Amanda in the middle of the party and says, you know, I think we should talk about us. And she's like, what us? You broke up with me. He's like, no, I, uh, um, I'll i take you back if you want. And she just flat out fucking humiliates him. He goes, you know what? You're an asshole. No, no, I will not get back with you. I'm better without you. I'm done. And somebody, it's not politically correct, but it's dead silent. He's looking around after Amanda humiliated him and somebody just screams, fag. Not politically correct, but it no. ensues everybody laughing at him and him hiding in the parlor room, the nice room. And um, Will comes in and you know comforts him, and like that continues their story. Him and Amanda, his right. his story with Amanda is done. But he comforts him and he makes the comment of saying, "And somebody called me a fag." And in my mind, I'm like, "Why is that such a pain? Why why somebody calling you?" like a derogatory term for homosexuals. Why is that bad? Back in the 90s, that was horrifying. Like, oh my God, you called me that? Now it's like... But it was also overly used back then. Oh my God. Like, like for so many different things. Our, our like, language has to change now that it's 2023. I mean, back in the early 2000s, did I used to say gay? Yeah, of course. I hung out with a lot of gay people. I went to clubs. Like, it was part of my life. Now it's not. Like, I, I have gay friends, but I would never look at them and be like, gay. Like, no, that's terrible. No, that's horrible now. Yeah. There is no, there is, saying that to somebody should not be like, oh, you're gay. That's terrible. No, uh-uh. That moment in this movie is the only moment where I'm like, that aged like fucking sour milk. That aged poorly. Poorly. But it drills into that um, cliches of what these teen dramas were showing you. Like, it was bad to be gay. It was bad to be different. It was bad to be the outsider. Like, and Denise is confronted by several different people. Like, there was uh, a girl that said that Denise asked a question or no, Amanda asked a question like, oh, have you seen Preston? And this girl who was the hippie chick, like, went after her and was like, all of you are, like, pleb, all of you are sheep. Like, and I was like, why is, why is being the hippie girl bad? Why is being the stoners bad? 
you know, why is being the outcasts or the nerds? Or they were making fun of an exchange student, a German exchange student, the whole movie. Why was being the exchange student bad? Those are the things that did not age well in in any of these films. Like being different should not be what you pick on. And that moment where somebody said that to Mike and the whole room laughs and he's humiliated. I think if it was something that happened now, like in real life, he could have turned around and be like, what's wrong with that? Silence the whole fucking place. You're not humiliated. Yes, you're humiliated by what you just did with her. Right. But that moment could have been a, why is that bad? Yeah, it's a very different... We live in a very different world, so a lot of this stuff doesn't work. And this is kind of a movie you kind of have to watch with a 90s mindset. Yeah. And it's hard to put yourself... We've changed so much from the 90s, early 2000s, that it's hard to put ourselves back in that mentality. Yeah. Where, you know, I apologize in advance, but some of the insults are spaz, retard, bag, gay... Things I would never say now at all. You know, oh, look at you, you cripple. Like, no, like, yeah, I have a debilitating disease taking away my mobility, but you calling me a cripple shouldn't matter. Like, no, it's not an insult. Why is it being somebody who has physical limits or, you know, somebody who loves the same gender or even somebody that, you know, has a debilitating mental disease? How is that wrong? And that's why I think. Those didn't age well here, but I'm really proud of Hollywood for not using these tropes anymore. Right. But then again, I haven't seen a teen movie in a long time. No, I think we've kind of grown out of them. And I cannot wait to watch that first episode of Euphoria with you. Because I actually want to kind of say here, now on the the podcast, I didn't clear this with Sean, but I'm going to say it anyways. I think one of our patron specials I'd like to do is that episode of Euphoria, that first episode, and to see if this is different from teen, anything teen. Well, it's going to be extremely different because oh, it's going to be Gen Z is a whole nother planet. Gen Z are fucking aliens to me. They're they speak, dress, act with a confidence I never would have had. At 14, 15, 16, 17. I don't have that confidence at 37. But my younger sister carries herself with a confidence that I'm like, she is cocky and I wish the best of her. Because the world will never knock her down like it knocked us down. Because they own their individuality so much more than we ever could. Us in the 90s questioned our individuality all the time. They're embracing. Still Still do. At this age. My 17-year-old sister know who's the, knows who the fuck she is, and I'm like, I am so proud, but mind-blown at who she is. But, come back. Mike and Amanda's story is pretty much done. Then we go, Mike goes off with Will, and all that chaos ensues. So, we this, come to the big one. This brings us to Amanda and Preston. Amanda and Preston. Now, so far, you've known basically the journey that Preston has gone on. Amanda's journey is a little different. Um, we he- we have a lot of hearsay about Amanda. In the beginning, Amanda and Mike broke up. Um, everybody's she, like... She's painted as the, the perfect girl next the, door. The perfect girl next door. Like, absolute... She's the angel. She's the queen. She's the goddess of this school. And then when she enters, 
There's a fan blown. There's like sweet music in the background. But her face says everything when she walks in. She looks so uncomfortable. Unhappy, uncomfortable, miserable. That socially, she has to show up at this party when she doesn't want to be there. Nope. So she is almost the same way as Denise. Where Denise chose to be the outcast, Amanda's like, I don't want this anymore. I never wanted this. She even comments, like, at my old school, I was nobody. I was nothing. And then Mike Dexter, I came here and Mike Dexter wanted to date me. And all of a sudden I became this thing to where she's like, I don't even have control of my own life. Yeah, she's like, I don't know who I am anymore. So her and Denise basically are almost the same person, the same character type where two people who have made such pathways in their high school life they don't know who they are anymore yeah and now they realize it's time to change so she enters you know all the music the beauty you know jennifer love hewitt's hair blowing in the breeze (laughs) side comment we watched this on vhs and the previews for the movies coming up in theater were I still know what you did last summer. So we had double dose of Jennifer Love Hewitt. It was really, really funny. Um, It was very, honestly, it was very good to watch this on VHS because I've never seen it on DVD or Blu-ray. And I don't want to because I feel like we'd catch more stuff and we'd see all the problems. I kind of want to get the Blu-ray for Honestly, this. I want to sit here as close to the TV as possible and be like, oh, that looks, oh, that's bad, oh. Because there's, there's, There are scenes where there's so much fucking happening. It probably was so chaotic to film this in one location. And you can tell they filmed this in an actual house. Yes. It's like, holy hell, setting up different shots for the same scene. That was, that had to be fucking ridiculous. I think that's why they used the parlor setup the most because it was the clear room. The fancy room, they used it a lot. And the uh, the outdoor because it was a little open. But, like, the kitchen, they were filming through stuff. Like, you were in the other living room, and they were filming through things. But it things. makes it feel more realistic. It does. It's it feels like you're there. Yeah. Yeah. So, once Amanda shows up, it ensues. Her friends, uh, her three friends that are friends with Mike, or that are dating Mike's jock friends, um, are like, oh, my God, hi, how are you? Are you okay? Oh, my God. Uh. The plastics. The plastics. Basically, they're the mean <laughs> girls from fucking Mean Girls. Um... They go into the the parlor. They talk. They're like, oh, my God, he doesn't deserve you. You're Gwyneth. You're Gwyneth. When her back turned and she leaves, they pretty much say she's not prettier than Gwyneth. Oh, uh, who did she think? She-? They're fake. Yes. This this hammers in. She was Mike Desher's popular cheerleader girlfriend. So they all had to be like, oh, we have to kiss your ass. And you can tell she's so uncomfortable talking to them. Like, I don't she want to her be their posture friend. is like, I don't want this anymore. This is not who I am. Yeah. You feel like once he broke up with her, her change of heart was absolutely evident. Like, I'm done. I don't want this anymore. Uh, Cuts to, you know, she's going through the party. And a lot of people are like asking her, how are you? Are you okay? She's getting more and more uncomfortable. And then she meets up with somebody who's her cousin. Who's like, hey, I heard. Are you all right? We're family. You can tell me anything. And they have a really good conversation. And it lasts quite a few scenes where we cut back and forth to them. And then once they're sitting on the couch, they're really comfortable. Amanda's been very vulnerable and she feels like she can trust him. He goes in to kiss her and Preston sees them kissing and Preston just leaves. He leaves, he throws out his letter and he, he, he's he gone. 
And she's just like, ew, that's disgusting. What is wrong with you? Holy shit. And the guy's only thought is, don't tell my parents. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, that's disgusting. So we cut to Preston leaving. There's a whole scene in the beginning where he hears the song Mandy by Barry Manilow. Um, if anybody's wondering, Mandy is not about a dog. Uh, he was really concerned. It is about a woman. Uh, he was really concerned that Mandy would get confused with Brandy. Like, Brandy, you're a fine girl. Yeah. And he was really concerned that that would get confused. It never really did. But it is not about a dog. It is about a person. So, yay, we have an answer. It's never answered in the entire fucking movie. Um, but he hears... He goes back to the school and he's listening to sad music and it's Barry Manilow's birthday. Oh, okay. We're playing Mandy at the top of the hour every hour. What the fuck, Fate? Like, he's subscribes to Fate so much, but it seems like Fate is being like, nope, uh-uh, you're, you don't belong with this girl. Yeah. Um, while that's happening, the <laughs> there's a character that we haven't talked about. Um, who has a yearbook because she's running around the whole thing. I want to get everybody's signature. Yay, sign my yearbook. Um, it's played by Melissa Joan Hart. Um, a lot of people know her as Sabrina the Teenage Witch or Clarissa, Clarissa Explains It All. I actually have a fun fact about that. Oh. Uh, her, so during production of this movie, she was also in the middle of filming the second season of Sabrina. Oh, God. So she was literally taking... B12 vitamins to stay energized during all these night shoots. And and she's still uncredited. She's not credited in the film. She was extremely skeptical when uh she was offered this part and like she was convinced like she was convinced that the B12 vitamins were drugs cuz uh I think uh somebody oh Jennifer Love Hewitt no, sorry. I, I'm getting the information mixed up here. The She had offered some to Jennifer Love Hewitt at some point because they're working long yeah, nights. Yeah, really long night shoots. And Jennifer Love Hewitt was skeptical. She thought that they were drugs that she was being offered. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, 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 they're vitamins. They're vitamins. Um, I believe Melissa Joan Hart is now a lifetime are like a Hallmark actress now. Uh, I know she was in a show called Joey and Something with Joey Lawrence for a little bit. Um, Ew. She's kind of <laughs> fallen. Like, I I loved her career years ago. I followed it. Like, there was a very big 90s movie she was in that Britney Spears did the song You Drive Me Crazy. It was about a waitress at a bar or something. I don't know. I don't forget the movie. But she had a huge part in that. Sabrina was huge. When we were kids, she was on fucking Nickelodeon, for Christ's sake. I mean, this was a girl that we I saw her and I was like, oh, my God, Melissa. Now it's like, even we saw the first time and went, what the fuck happened to her? <laughs> like, <laughs> And it sucks because Melissa Joan Hart was a huge part of our kid childhood. Yeah. Huge. Like, from the early 90s until like mid 2000s she was everywhere um same thing with jennifer love hewitt uh i know she she did a show called uh ghost whisperer for a long time and you know she was a forefront of uh like a women the woman's movement for like love the body you're in because there is a reason why she's called jennifer love huge tits yeah i mean the girl her and soleil moon fry 
Do you remember her from Punky Brewster? No, not specifically, no. She was another one who was picked on for her chest. And Jennifer Love Hewitt was very much of the movement, like, stop objectifying us by our bodies. And after that happened, she kind of... She faded. She's coming back. I've seen her in a couple other things. She's in this 911 show, which is really good. She does a lot of drama, which is great. Yeah. Because she did a lot of comedy and a lot of, like, horror. So it's nice to see her in, like, serious roles. I've seen a lot of Ghost Whisperer, and I love it. But it's not not really something I would commit to watching a whole season of. So, so Preston throws out the letter. And miraculously, between... Uh, a girl stepping in gum and stepping on the letter, a keg picking it up, somebody uh, hockey sticking it across so, the party. It ends up right in front of Amanda. Yeah, th- it's one of those, like, the letter finds its way to Amanda. Mm. It's, it's kind of like a, those comedic acts of God that happen in some of these comedies. And it's like, um, what? It's fate. Yeah. Oh, and the whole reason why I was talking about Melissa Joan Hart is somebody threw away her yearbook yeah. and she pulls the letter out and throws it on the ground. So it was like, hmm. Right here, since we're talking about notable mentions, I'd like to mention a lot of the other characters before we continue. So that, yeah, that's something I made note of was the, there's a shitload of cameos throughout this movie. And at this point, these are not cameos. These were starter these kind of people who were not famous yet. No. Now they're fucking huge. And I wrote down as many as I could throughout, but we have Selma Blair shows up as just some random party girl. And she is known for cruel intentions. Cruel intentions, among several other things. Several other things. Uh, I'd never remember this actress's name, but Stokely from The Faculty. C-L- C-E-L Duvall. I just saw her name earlier. Clay, Clea, Cle- Clea Duvall. Clea Duvall. Clea Duvall. Yep. Uh, she's the girl who denies Kenny at one point. Yep. Uh, Jamie Presley is one of the, the jocks' girlfriends. The 30-year-old playing a teenager. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. Eric fucking Balfour. <laughs> who plays a stoner who licks Denise's face. The next time oh, we God. see him, or the next time I know I see him, is in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake. Yeah, uh, he was big on the show Six Feet Under. and I always wanted to fucking see that show, but never, ever saw it. Eric fucking Balfour, he's... I'm sorry, Eric, you're not a good actor. He's not, but he's perfect you're, in this part. You're great in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but yeah, nothing else. Yeah, because he dies quickly. Not really. He's great not as a corpse. Quick. He plays a corpse real well. <laughs> We get Jason Siegel. Oh my God, we are not worthy. As the, Mr. Wa- Siegel. the watermelon guy. Oh, seeing him and the realizing he's 17, 18 years old in this film. Yeah. Oh my God, it killed me. Um, oh. We get an appearance from Turk from Scrubs. Turk from, yep. He's the drummer of the house band. Yep. Uh, I forget the singer's actual name. But he and Turk were in another film together. Clueless. They were in Clueless, Clueless together. Yep. yep. And my personal favorite, the fucking Shermanator, shows up as the klepto kid. He literally starts by stealing stuff at the... Uh, he's stealing stuff when we are introduced to Kenny at the convenience, convenience store. store. He's just hiding stuff. Then he goes to the party and he's stealing bigger and bigger items. I first, So when you first see him, and he's in the background of this shot that introduces Kenny. And I just assumed he was part of that group. Yeah. So I thought he was just one of his oh, friends. Oh, hey, the Shermanator! And then he walks walks out of the shot. 
And then just later on in the movie, you just keep seeing him stealing shit. In and the by the <laughs> end, he steals a fucking cop car, and then he just walks into the diner and steals a, a gumball, gumball machine. machine. <laughs> and you're like, he has no lines, nothing. nothing. But I'm like, now I know he how he got the role as the Shermanator because he's just because the Shermanator is so random in American Pie, so random. Originally, he actually gains more of role as yeah, he goes and along. he becomes pretty big by the early 2000s. But then he's another actor. He petered off. Yeah, he disappeared. He still, I think, shows up in things. Yeah, but. he still shows up in quite a bit. But uh, another name that you didn't mention, uh, another Buffy alum, along with Seth Green, is Amber Benson. She plays one of the pothead kids. She plays Tara in Buffy. Obviously, Seth Green plays Oz. Uh, Eric Balfour makes an appearance in Buffy. Um, there are several people I saw as a fun fact in IMDb that are from Buffy that are in this. And Buffy at that point was fucking huge. Yeah. Huge. I'm surprised they didn't have Sarah Michelle Gellar just run in the background. <laughs> like and Maybe she was in there. Well, I you mean, she's friends with Jennifer Love Hewitt. Maybe she could have been like, there's somebody trying to kill me. And the dude going, ah. like, I mean, there could have been so many cameos that we don't know. The Earth Girl, the girl that yells, Sheep, all of you. She's a huge actress, too. I forgot her name. She's in a lot of stuff. Um, uh, Sean Patrick Thomas. He was huge in Save the Last Dance. Huge with uh, Julia Stiles. Yeah. He plays one of the jock dudes. I don't recognize the other two jock dudes. Uh, One of them you said was Rigo Uh, Rodriguez, I believe, uh, or Freddie Rodriguez. Freddie Rodriguez is one of the jocks who's shows up in Planet Terror. He plays the lead, El Rey. Yep. <laughs> like, it's so funny now, 20 years later, how many of these people made it big, like Seth Green and Jennifer Love Hewitt, and how many of these people fell into obscurity. Side note, fun fact, um, Ethan Embry does not remember filming this movie. Yeah, he said, uh, one of the fun facts I was reading is he says that he can barely remember it because he was stoned the entire time. And he does pretty good, but he also seems like somebody that's very, like, in the clouds lovesick. And I'm like, okay. It works. It works, because maybe that whole, like... Like, oh, hey, it makes sense. I personally think he, in this movie, he perfectly portrays this, like, really good middle ground between wholesome and pathetic. Like, in Yeah, he's he dabbling. He's absolutely, like, like, in the perfect place. He's that person that you'd be like, oh, precious, come here. Come, come on, come on, bring it in. You're a fucking dumbass, and- but it's okay. I really, I, I really like Ethan Embry as an actor. I know he was in something very recently, very big, and that's why the resurgence of this movie came back. He's in, he's in, been in so much over the years. The most recent thing I've seen him in was a movie called The Devil's Candy. Oh, okay. Which it's like a, it's like a supernatural horror film. But he plays such a different character in that. Like, he's tattooed, he's, like, obsessed with metal, and he's an artist, and he's a dad. Oh, like, really? Like, it's such a good... He has so much fucking range as an actor. It is insane. And he puts a lot of... He puts a lot of effort into his characters. A lot of, like, himself, I mm. think, to some degree. I'm trying to see what else. So, The Devil's Candy was 2015. Yeah. That was the most recent thing I've seen him in. What was... What did I see him in? 
I distinctly remember sitting there and I was watching something with Erica and I was like, once upon a time. He, he shows was in up once, once upon a time? He plays Greg Mendel. Who's Greg Mendel? Now I gotta figure this out. Well, I don't remember. Do when we're not filming. Yeah, we'll do it when we're not filming. Um, he was in The Walking Dead. Um, he's in the new Twilight Zone. He's in the new Creep Show. Uh, yeah, he's he. He resurged. He made a huge resurgent, resurgence. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's definitely one of those people that, like, I was always like, whatever happened to that guy? Because Ethan Embry is definitely a very unique name, in my opinion. Yeah. So, um. All right, let's get back to the story. Where were we? So. Jennifer, uh, Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Amanda finds the letter and reads it. We cut back to Ethan being at um, a payphone and being like, Barry Manilow is on, on the air and he'll answer your question. So he's trying to get through because he wants to ask, was it about a person or a dog? I need to know. I have to know about because it's fate. And a stripper angel shows up in the form of Jenna. Oh, my God. I forget her name. She was on uh, Dharma and Greg. She was huge on Dharma and Greg. She shows up um, as a angel stripper whose car just broke down, so she needs to make a call. While he's on the line with the radio station, she hangs up the phone and goes, my thing's more important than yours, calls the taxi for 10 seconds, it goes away. So they fight, and then they bond, and she's thinking that he's in love with Barry Manilow, so she tells a story about being in love with Stop Bakula, <laughs> which is kind of like, oh, okay, there, boomer. Um, <laughs> but... She pretty much tells him, you go and you make it happen. Just try again. Fate is a funny thing. Sometimes it doesn't happen like that. So he decides, I'm going to go back to the party. So Amanda, at this point, embarrasses um, Mike in front of everybody. And she's walking out of the party. And as she's walking out of the party, Preston's running back in to find her. And every single dude in the party is like, you want to bang? You want to hook up? Can I see your tits? And unfortunately, we have the formula of wrong place, wrong time, where she's coming down the stairs and, and, you know, Preston's like, Amanda, wait, I've been in love with you for years. And, you know, we had this connection where you were eating a Pop-Tart at the same time I was. And I've always wanted to know, like, can we just go somewhere? And, And she cuts him off and goes, you are an asshole. I haven't been single for five minutes. How dare you? And she embarrasses embarrass him, not in front of the whole party, but everybody outside. So his heart is fucking shattered. He leaves. He's gone. He's done. So Amanda's going to leave the party and Melissa Joan Hart's character is like, oh, Amanda, sign my yearbook. She's like, all right, I'll do it. She goes to start. She flips and she looks and finds Preston's picture. And she's like, oh my God, I've been looking for this guy the whole party and I just embarrassed him in front of anybody. Everyone. Great. I'm a horrible person. So at this point, she she leaves. Preston's gone. Cops show up. We know what happens there. We kind of cut to the next day where, um, or we kind of cut to like maybe the next day later on that night where Amanda's taking all of her photos from her and Mike and just tossing everything. She's like, I'm done. We see Preston's got his bags ready for his workshop. He's leaving in the morning. That's it. He's done. He's gone. Cut to, you know, he's at the train station waiting and he's waiting. His train gets called and Amanda shows up and says, I read your letter and... 
you know, I... I got in touch with your dad. Yeah, and he, he told, told me you'd be you here, and I really want to talk. And he's like, well, I got to go, board the train. I got to go. Oh, okay, I'll keep in touch. And he almost lets her go again. And it's something that the angel said, and it's something that Denise said. Like, fate doesn't work like that. If fate presents itself, take it. Don't just let it go. So it's a little stuttery. He walks away. She looks back, walks away. He looks back, starts walking away. He drops everything, runs to her, and he's like, I can get the later train. Like, I'm going to stay here. What? Let's let's talk. That's all he wanted. And I'm like, finally. And then it cuts to the end card. Like, he, he grabbed the train to Boston six hours, seven hours later. Um, she wrote him a letter every day he was gone. They're still together, which I thought was very sweet. And I've always like, whatever happened to these people? And while I was perusing the, the little trivia and facts, I stumbled upon in 2019, Jennifer Love Hewitt wants to direct and produce a reunion of all the entire cast of Can't Hardly Wait. And do a second one to see where their lives went. I don't usually like sequels. This I'd be very interested if Jennifer Love Hewitt's the one head, heading it. So then she can pretty much make the story like how she wants to see it. Obviously, she'll probably have a writer and somebody that'll do it for her. But I'm eager to see where all of them go. Very eager. 20, 25 years later. See, I have mixed feelings about that. You always have mixed feelings. See, my personally, I feel like yes, it would be very interesting to see where all these characters are now. But doing a follow-up will shatter the entire capsule of this movie. The whole Okay. The whole point is that you're encapsulating this moment. This, this one, one night, night, this moment of everybody's lives turning, you're leaving high school, you're transitioning into adult life, you're taking the leap on a relationship, you're uh, realizing that you're not who you want to be, or you're pretending to be somebody you're not. You're, in the case of Mike, you're realizing that life is not going to be what you want it, what you always thought it was going to be. It's you have to make a change, though he doesn't. But the whole point of this movie is to be w- the single story that it is. Mm. And if you continue it now, you're kind of you're throwing that that preserved moment in time away. Okay. So, follow-up question. That 70s show is making a resurgence as that 90s show where the former cast members are making special appearances as the parents of the new children yeah. who are doing it. Red and Kitty, obviously, because it's their grandkid. It's Donna and Eric's daughter. Yeah. Um, it's their story in the 90s. What if it was their children? Yeah, I, I still wouldn't agree with it no like i feel like this is one of those things that's like it should only be this one movie but your opinion about the 90s show is opposite from mine too i'm eager to watch that you were like "Mm, 
Yeah, I, I have no real care. I never was a huge fan of that 70s show. I so. like that. Well, my parents grew up in the 70s, so I watched that 70s show because they were like, this was our, you know, middle school, high school. This was our, us as kids, which I think is great because the end of that show is the ball dropping on, on to 1980. Once the ball drops, the screen goes black. You don't see anything anymore. We know what, We don't know what happened. Yeah. That 90s show is following their children, which I think is great because that 90s show is set when we were teenagers, which I'm like, this is great. And I hope they end it the same way that they ended that 70s show where the ball drops on 2000. That's it. It's done. Yeah. But I'm always eager because these are characters that I can relate with a lot. I'm always eager to see what happened. Like, I was so excited for American Pie 2 and American Wedding and American Reunion. But now there's talks of another American Pie movie, which, and there's all these other, like, other American Pie movies that aren't really with the, the main characters. Yeah, I think at some point the, the National Lampoon Company took over. And it's like, and they started summer doing vacation. Like, the Naked Mile and yeah. stuff like that, where all these sub movies. It's like one of these weird, like, movies. Like, I'm very, I was very eager to see all of those go, but. You can also see how the people behind the characters really change. Like, like Tara Reid. I loved her character in American Pie. By American Reunion, she's not doing well. No. She's had a, a rough life. So this character that was supposedly had a great life is portrayed a little... It's a little tough to swallow that. Yeah. There is one movie that I never want to see a sequel to. Um scratch that scratch it i can't remember the name of the movie maybe it'll come up later but i i enjoy these i enjoy these i'll make a compromise i'll make a compromise with you okay I'll, i will accept a sequel to this as long as it takes place on june 17th of whatever year it comes out june 17th because this movie is landmarked in time by taking place on Barry Manilow's 55th birthday, June 17th, 1998. Oh. So if that movie takes place exactly on June 17th of whatever year it releases, I'm the fine. The new one should take place on, like, June 17th, 2000-something. Well, yeah. It should, yeah. That's what I think. Okay. I, I can agree with that. Is Barry Manilow still alive? I don't know. I'm not a big Barry Manilow fan. Let, let's uh let's check because my my whole thing is he is he's 79 my whole thing is they should set it on the loss of Barry Manilow and uh Preston having a crisis that now that Barry Manilow is gone will all of the things that fate tied with him go to <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a weird concept they'd have, they'd have to wait him out <laughs> It could be another 15 years, guys. He could live to 100. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, this this movie is... I really liked it a lot more than I thought I would. But now that we get into closing questions, my one of my closing questions for you is, will you ever watch it again? Yeah. You will? I think I would watch that again. Like, like I said, I, I very much enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I would. And... I definitely think it's one of the better teen comedies that I've ever seen. And yeah, I would definitely add this to the very short list of comedies that I would rewatch. I want to revisit this in 10 years. 
and see if our feelings on this movie are the same. Because we'll be 47 and 43. I would lump this in with uh, like things like we discussed before, like Easy A, Easy a and um, uh, Take Me Home Tonight. Like the the few comedies yep. that I really like, this would definitely go in there. I would lump this in with Can't Buy Me Love. It's an 80s teen drama. I don't know. I, oh my god, I gotta make you watch Can't Buy Me Love. It's so silly. It's so stupid. I love those. Or... Oh my god, it was a movie in the 80s about uh, a girl was writing an article about what it was like to be a boy. So she posed as a boy in high school. Boys Don't Cry? Boy, No, Boys Don't Cry is with... Um, I yeah, I don't know. It's with Amy something, I forget. I'll find out the name of it and we'll talk about it afterwards. But I I like, I really like ni- uh, 80s dramas. Eight, I mean, 80s teen stuff. Because I think it's even more stupid. And the fashion is better. And, like, the 90s fashion looks very the same as today. So, to me, it's, like, no different. Yeah. But I do have to say, Jennifer Love Hewitt's hair at the end, with that straight with the big banana clip I was like in her outfit with the little cherubs and the corduroy pants with the tiny little sweater I was like oh my god I, I dressed like this I dressed <laughs> like this because I showed you a picture of when I was 16 and I am wearing a corduroy sweater yeah. and you were like is that a corduroy sweater I'm like yes it is the the late the early 2000s were weird <laughs> well we went kind of went through favorites as we yeah we as really we did. did this one so and you already said that there's a sequel coming there is so here's some things i'd like to touch on as closing statements um did you notice that kenny was wearing Janko jeans yeah i mean obviously uh let's see jocks do not have any good insults no all of the women that weren't the lead stars were fake yeah and what is it about 90s late 90s early 2000s movies where the soundtracks are fucking incredible the music in this movie were all bangers it's because they're trying to grab the attention of youth of uh the teens of that time and they don't do it as much now no i think people have grown out of that fad i want to say the last movie where the soundtrack really got me was spider-man with um Sunflowers by Post Malone. It was Into the Spider-Verse. I haven't seen that one. You haven't seen that? No. The soundtrack to it is incredible. That's the last one where I was like, the soundtrack well, really pulled me in. I, I think people have learned to... Like, you're, a movie should have a soundtrack that's created for that film, not yeah. just by using music that already exists. Like So that it kind of gives it the film its own life outside of being driven by somebody something else you know what i mean but i think that's where we differ with this because i think soundtracks of current music for some movies also puts a time capsule on it yeah so like you had blink 182 you had smash mouth uh i think at one point i heard um a couple of i heard rob zombie in the background for one scene and i'm like these are bands that blink 182 is kind of having a resurgence but what happened to smash mouth Rob Zombie's a film director now. You don't really hear a lot of music from him anymore. He's still, he's still doing stuff. He does, but it's not as, like, Dragula or, you know, Living Dead Girl. You don't hear him mainstream. Right. You know, Smash Mouth was the bane of our existence with All-Stars. Oh, my God. Somebody once told me. Like, 
I hate the start of that Demonetized. song. Demonetized. Demonetized. <laughs> uh, and now we're going to start playing the whole Can't Get Enough of You Baby for the rest of the ending of this song, this uh, podcast. I hate um, it. That was my least favorite song from them, too. So the only question remaining, which it has an obvious answer, mainstream exploitation or other. Mainstream. But why do you think I picked this one? Because it's a movie from your past. And... This would definitely be, if Grindhouse existed, this would be playing. I disagree. You disagree? I No, I think they no. would play this at a Grindhouse film. No, they will not. Why? Grindhouse film, like, you wouldn't see, like, teen comedies in Grindhouse films. The but closest I, you'd get is something like American Graffiti. But I will say this. If there were still Grindhouses in 2023, nostalgia is huge currently so, now. I say this would grindhouses would not would be less of what they were in the past and more of a nostalgic thing. But the thing. thing is, grindhouses could not exist in 2023. No, they could not. Grindhouses, what they would have become if they were still around, would have been like, do you remember the concept of like dollar theaters? Yes, we still have a couple of dollar theaters left. So those cheap ass movie theaters that just played whatever they could get, like. Okay. Whether it would be like National Lampoon direct to DVD movies or like they would just play things for the sake of playing something them. that Red Letter Media would cover. <laughs> yeah, like that's what those that's what grindhouses would have become if they were still around and therefore they're not grindhouses anymore. Yeah. Okay. Then they would play something like this. So no, I, I don't think this would play in a grindhouse. I think this is the first time we're disagreeing this year. I think this would. To each their own, I guess. Well, you're wrong, so that's fine. <laughs> well, I think that brings this discussion. I can't hardly wait to an end. Yes, it's been a long discussion. <laughs> but don't go anywhere just yet. Please stay tuned for the coming attractions. The China Syndrome. It's about people, people who lie, and people faced with the agony of telling the truth. Right. People like Kimberly Wells, a television reporter paid to smile, not to think. A few words about a veterinarian who makes house calls on sick fish. Or is it aquarium calls? Richard Adams, a cameraman who never learned how to play by the rules. Wait till you get that other room, get that radiation all over that cute little body. Jack Goodell, an engineer who knows too much to tell the truth. In anything that man ever does, there's some element of risk, right? Well, that's why we have what we call defense in depth. And cares too much to lie. No accident. It will start with a tremor in a nuclear power plant. Where it will end will depend on three people. I would say you're probably lucky to be alive. Same for the rest of Southern California. Jane Fonda. Let's face it, you didn't get this job because of your investigative abilities. Kimberly, don't fight it. Jack Lemmon. There was a vibration! Michael Douglas. I don't know that accident is the right word. Accident is the right word! The China Syndrome. The harder they try, the more resistance they meet. They've got their own security man. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you want me to make it any clearer? The closer they get, the more threatening it becomes. The China Syndrome. 
today. Only a handful of people know what it really means. And they're scared. Soon, you will know. The China Syndrome. So, shifting gears back to the Douglas family for a moment. And you said you didn't mean to do this? I did not mean to do this. So, my two back-to-back picks, because we swap off every week. Yeah. Uh, I pick, you pick, I pick, you pick. Yeah. So, my last two picks back-to-back were The Fury starring Kirk Douglas, and this next week is going to be The China Syndrome starring Michael Douglas. And how did I put it? Michael, not so fucking... Panties not dropping, pussy dry, <laughs> Douglas. <laughs> so I'm like, because you were like, he is no Kirk Douglas. And you're right. Michael Douglas is no Kirk Douglas. Not no. at all. Uh, this film is, I believe it's like a, it's like a drama or like a thriller. I've never seen it. It's one I picked up on a whim just because the, co- the cover spoke to me. The cover looks awesome. Yeah. Um, and... I'm very interested to check it out. Uh, I don't know what to expect from it at all. I'm like the China syndrome, and I'm like, is it is it about early COVID? Like that's literally where my brain went. Is it early COVID? <laughs> but I actually want to go in this into this in the dark. I don't want to know anything about it until we watch it. That way, we have genuine reactions to if it is good or bad. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's I think that's the best way to go into anything. If you can go in blind, go in blind. Yeah. I'm very curious to see what the hell this movie brings. Let's see what the China Syndrome has in store for us. All right. In the meantime, if you want to keep up on everything that we're doing, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast. We're on Twitter at Grindhouse Cast. You can find us on Discord where you can chat with Leah about this film or any of the films that we've previously covered. Mm. Uh, We'd love it if you suggested us some movies. We want to know what you guys are interested in having us cover. All the links for everything are going to be down in the show notes. Listen to us every Monday morning. Give us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. If you like what we're doing and you want to help support this show, you can find us over on Patreon, or you can support us directly through Acast, where you can get yourself access to ad-free listening and unlock some fun, exclusive bonus content that we are slowly putting out for our supporters. Until next week, I'm Sean. I'm Leah. Thanks for listening, and keep watching. Bye, friends. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye now.